listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Right now, Herman, I thank you. Paul Moore here with Herman Eben. We have been talking about relationships and how bad can they get. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's been a couple of programs that we've been talking about this. But you had mentioned a book that really struck my fancy by Carl Zimmerman, Family and Civilization. So I wrote that down and I was going to do something about it. And later the very same day, <laughs> I learned that it's required reading for certain conservative groups. Mm-hmm. So I ordered the book. So guess what happened? Now you don't know why you ordered it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so would you pray for me? <laughs> I'd be glad to. Lord, thank you so much that your word is what we can go to to always know how life works and uh, how we are to be thinking. We don't need to be wondering about how life is to work. All we need to do is read your word and have this relationship with you. And you provide us the insight and provide us the understanding about how things work. Pray for this time today that we'll communicate clearly in your precious name. Amen. Amen and hallelujah. So there I am. You caught me. I have a stack of books, right? Because somehow I think if I get the book, I've captured the concept. Not until I read it. Right. So the book shows up. Help me. Why did I want this book from Carl Zimmerman? It goes to what what we've been talking about. We brought his book to our minds so that we could understand, here's a man in 1947 that looked back at all the civilizations that have occurred up to that point in time, and he traced it down to three family styles. And when it comes down to the final family style, that you can know a civilization is in decline. And the three family styles were patriarchal, basically nuclear, and then atomistic. And the atomistic style was more focus was on yourself, more focus was on the individual rather than the overall community. The pop quiz would be name the three styles, but the truth is, the concept is... A decline in thinking about others and more about yourself and an increase in thinking about yourself. That's what causes the decline of civilizations based so on I'm his no study. I'm no worried about the common good. I'm worried about... Worried about me. And when you see that third family style show up, and he gives eight symptoms, and we show all eight of the symptoms that, that he brought out. And again, this was in 1947. So why you wanted that book is to see this pattern into self-love and that brought us to second timothy chapter three and we read a variety of verses chapter three verses one through six and verse 13 and it gives a list of like 16 or 17 items there that are huge problems for any society to have and one of the keys was self-love lovers of self that's what was mentioned in there and we we started talking about that a little bit and so we want to bring that out a little bit further to help people understand that where we are in our society right now in the way that we're pushing things in the school system and pushing things even in churches unfortunately is this whole idea of self-esteem Now, I do understand that there could be and there may be a correct way to be thinking about self-esteem. It just is my bias against that word, those two words, that take me directly to this concept of self-love that 2 Timothy chapter 3 is talking about. So I'm very biased against the word self-esteem. I'll just lay that out there for you to hear it. Okay. 
uh, because I do realize that there could be some good ways to consider self-esteem if you're only talking about it in confidence uh, as opposed to just focusing on yourself a lot. But self-love or self-esteem, the way that the world talks about it, that truly is of the world. It is not of God. Uh, and, and we gave two great quotes in the uh, last program by uh, uh, Elizabeth Elliot. She says, the world looks for happiness through self-assertion. The Christian knows that joy is found in self-abandonment. That is very, very important for us to recognize. We're not saying that I need to be thinking of myself better. I need to be thinking about Christ working through me and using me, not based on how good I am or what I can bring to the table. It's whether God is uh, working through me or not. That's the idea. It's self-abandonment. It's not trying to make myself look good. So that's a big, big difference because God esteems humility. He does not esteem self-esteem. He doesn't doesn't even think very highly, doesn't think highly of that at all. I'm thinking about God resists the proud and a couple other scriptures, maybe. You nailed it. That's exactly right. James 4.10 is a, a great one along that line. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Uh, and if you want to talk about First Peter 5, 5 and 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Every place you go, you're going to find those type of statements. And yet, even people will come out and say, well, doesn't the Bible teach self-love? No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, what about Mark 12, 31, where it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself? Well, that certainly cannot be what God is mentioning there. It's not trying to say that I am to love myself in order to... Uh, figure out how to love my neighbor, basically what that passage and other passages are saying here is you already love yourself. (laughs) You know, love your neighbor as much as you do yourself. And unfortunately, that particular passage and others are taught along the line of, you know, I've just got to learn how to love me before I can go love others. That is just baloney. But we believe that. Unfortunately, it is taught in church, and it is one of those things that creates real problems. But I remember grammar school games, or maybe junior high even, somebody saying, you know what your problem is? You can't love someone else until you love yourself. Yeah, it's it's a sad, sad, wrong uh, viewpoint. It's just, it's absolutely incorrect. In fact... There are some great articles. Please go on uh, online and look in chapter 5 and see some great quotes from a variety of people showing in secular uh, mindset that self-esteem does not necessarily turn into competence. Self-esteem, who needs it? You know, there's a a variety of research reports that show that self-esteem is actually bad for us, and yet we continue to spend all this money on it. Here's the theory. If I think well of myself, I'll be more productive. Well, then you can dismantle that so easily with just thinking about logic. You know, just because I think well of myself doesn't make me productive. And I can be productive even if I don't think well of myself. Oftentimes you break it down to the fundamental question in life. Am I trusting God or am I trusting something else? The next point from great relationships all the time, you say that every relationship can be broken and every relationship can be restored. And every relationship has a problem when I make it about me. Mm -hmm. And the solution is to make it about others. 
I'm saying this because as you're talking, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking about when I was a kid, if you won, you got a trophy. Yeah. Right? If you won the league, you got a trophy. If you didn't win, you got to play the game. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody gets a trophy, whether you win or not, whether you play or not. Because we're trying to manage everybody's emotions. We're trying to manage something that is the domain of the individual as opposed to our domain. And that's what drives us into trying to control things. That's what ends up forcing us into this bad thinking about, well, we've got to have high self-esteem for everybody. Well, actually, low self-esteem is still self-esteem. It's <laughs> driven because you don't think of yourself the way that you want to be thinking of yourself. As we have said in the past, the concept of low self-esteem is the opposite side of the same coin. It's still all about you. And when you have low self-esteem, you wouldn't care if you didn't think well of yourself it's going to sound strange, but just think about it this way. I wouldn't have this mindset of thinking poorly if I didn't have high self-esteem. Well, I'll leave that for you, and we'll come back and see. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. There you go. The material we're talking about is at Chapter 5 of GreatRelationships.com. That's GR, numeral 8, Relationships.com. We'll be back right after this. Great definitions for great relationships. We have all asked, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is never abusing them for the wrong they did to you, ever again, not in thoughts, words, or actions. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Jackhammers, saws, pliers. Is your toolbox complete? Add some critical thinking tools to your kit as you listen to Worldview Academy's Bill Jack with simple tools for brain surgery. When Ben Franklin, then in his 80s, called the Constitutional Convention to pray, he brought agreement among the delegates. But many historians claim Franklin and the Founding Fathers were deists. A deist believes God wound up the universe like a clock, then set it on the shelf to run its time out, and walked away. For a deist, prayer would be nonsense. And if the majority of delegates were also deists, why didn't they scoff at Franklin's request? Were they hypocrites just seeking public approval? No, our Founding Fathers understood the need to seek the favor of the living God. true founder of this nation. Oh, that all elected officials understood what that old deist knew. Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, call 1-800-2411-123. You're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love, and not necessarily my self-esteem. That's right. We're not interested in in self-esteem at all. And again, I'll say that that's my bias, and I do know that there is a way that you can use that terminology, meaning confidence. Uh, So why don't you use confidence instead of self-esteem is what I would say. So how do I know whether it's self-esteem or self-love? It's the same thing. That's what's sad about that. Just think about the word esteem. What does that mean? Putting high regard on something. Well, self high regard. That's what that's saying. It's looking at myself and high regard of myself. Well, that isn't 
Jesus didn't have the concept of a high regard of himself. He had a high regard of his father, that he was always about doing what his father wanted him to do. He wasn't out there trying to protect his reputation. He wasn't out there trying to feel good about everything that he did. He simply said, I'm here to do the will of my father. That isn't self-esteem. That is a mindset that simply says, I'm here to pursue what is best for everybody else because my father asked me to do that. That's a matter of glorifying God. And that's our chief purpose of man, right? It's to glorify God. But now we've turned it into this humanist viewpoint of, no, it's not about glorifying God. It's really about glorifying me because I've got to think well of myself in order to be able to do anything. And it's a, it's a faulty logic. It's a faulty theory, as I said a little bit earlier. So we really want to be careful about that. And that's the reason why in this Second, P- second Timothy uh, uh, chapter 3 passage, we see that self-love or lovers of self is a big, big problem. And it's listed in, in and among all those other things. But it's probably, in my mind, it's the foundational problem for every other item that's mentioned there. And I just see it falling apart. I'm sorry, in my mind's eye, one of the things I can't help but think of is how we're trying to legislate marriage as being something other than between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. So now we're doing this in the United States, but we don't recognize the impact. And I've, I'm hearing from friends. I mean, I spent 20 years in the Navy. I'm hearing from friends now that they're serving in countries where homosexuality is a capital offense. Right. And we are imposing our will on these people Hmm. because we see it as an entitlement and not what God said. And I just, when you talk about the decay where we know we're really in decline when it's all about me, right? I can't think of a greater social example of making it all about me other than I can marry and do whatever I want. Well, notice what making life all about yourself does in the way you're describing it. And the reason why it is the downfall of a society, each person becomes their own who said so. Now, you've heard us use that term before, right? Who is your who said so? so. And if you are the who said so, gracious alive, that means no standard outside of yourself works. No consistent standard, that's for sure. That's exactly right. And it totally depends on whether you're going to accept any of those outside standards. And if you don't, then... You know, my way is the only way that I'm going to consider. <laughs> but that's amazing. You're making me laugh because I didn't realize the correlation. When you talk to young people who are getting ready to date, mm-hmm. you always say that one of the key things is understand who that person's who said so is. Mm-hmm. It's fundamental to a successful relationship. It's fundamental to life. It's fundamental to us as an individual to make us sit back and think, who am I really trusting here? It kind of fits into the typical logic in apologetics where you're talking to an atheist and you basically say, you know, draw a circle uh, for all knowledge and they draw a circle for all knowledge. And then you ask them, okay, from the viewpoint that that's all knowledge, how much do you know? Could you, why don't you put a dot or a circle or represent your knowledge of all knowledge in that circle? And if they're being honest, they'll put a little dot, you know, in in the circle. And then you're basically able to go, uh, so 
an atheist means that you know there's not a God, but you're sitting here saying that you have very finite knowledge compared to all knowledge. How can you be that way? Well, that means at least be an agnostic. Don't be an atheist. (laughs) (laughs) That is to say that you you are you're uncertain, and that's what that's what this self love ends up doing to us. We start thinking that we know all things, and we don't. And if we are sitting around thinking that we are to be the who said so of our own life, wow, that, that's, the, that's the ultimate problem of self-love. But Herman, does it have other things? Loving ourselves, are there other areas? There's definitely other areas, but before we get there, let's bring back something that we have not said enough, and it's adapted from uh, Jim Berg and changed into his image. <laughs> if, you remember, if you remember, we've talked about this before because it fits perfectly in this mindset of who is your who said so in comparison to the concept of who you are. And I love what Jim Berg says here, uh, that we've adapted a proper view of God leads to a proper view of self, leads to a proper view of life. And that is the order that we want to have ourself in association with God. If God is our who said so, we will look at ourselves and go, you know what? God has made me. Yes, I'm a unique creature. He does value me. Praise God for that, because I have no value apart from him. But it's all my value comes from the fact that he decided to value me. And because of that, I have a proper view of self. And now I can look at life and look at life with different eyes. I don't have to be happy in every situation. I can look at life and go, God's in control, not me. Therefore, I can see life differently. Uh, And I'll just bring that that quote back up. It just deserves to be quoted very often. You know, a proper view of God leads to a proper view of self, leads to a proper view of life. And all of that is kind of the summary saying self-love is not where we want to be. And I would highly recommend that you go and read some of the research pieces or quotes that I've thrown into the study guide there in chapter 5D section, the fourth section of that called The uh, Problem Creates a Bleak Future for Relationships. So look at that to find some of those quotes. And then you brought out, yes, there are there's a whole list of things in Second Timothy, but I'm going to only bring up three more that uh, I'd like to talk about. Not only is it self-love that is a problem, but we're going to see in the end times and what drives the relationships nutty and gets them worse is there's rebellion in the family. Meaning in uh, verse 2 of chapter 3, it talks about disobedient to parents. Well, that fits this, the family styles that uh, Zimmerman was talking about, right? Why, would, why are we disobedient? We're disobedient because it's more about me than it is about the family, or more about me than it is about the government, or more about me than it is about the laws of the land. More about me than the common welfare. That's right. And I'm not trying to say all laws of the land are good. I'm not saying that. But God put put the rulers in place. This is what we know from Romans 13. So the Lord is talking very specifically about the family. And at the family level, when these things are shown, the, the overall government and everything else is in, in a, a very bad way at that point in time. So disobedient to parents. Parents uh, are going to have a more difficult time with their children. 
uh, they're going to end up loving themselves. And of course, the parents are promoting this self-esteem in their, in their own minds and in their own lives. And therefore, they're being an example to their children that it's all about me. They're getting exactly what they paid for. That's exactly right. And we're getting exactly what we're paying for in our education system, spending the billions of dollars that we are at this point in time, teaching self-esteem. We're, we're getting exactly what we what we were uh, supposed to get out of that. And let me throw this out before, um, before I uh, need to move on here. Where do you find people that have very high self-esteem? I know the answer to this, so I'll be quiet. Prison. That's exactly right. That's what research shows, that in prison, people have a very high self-esteem. Now, why does that happen? Because when I have high self-esteem and you have high self-esteem, at some point, it's going to turn into hostility. Our bubbles are going to bounce. That's exactly right. That's what's going to happen. Wow. Okay. So chapter five in the videos, but also in the study guide, both are available at the website, greatrelationships.com, grnumeralatelationships.com. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. Great quotes for great relationships. When stress hits the system, Pathology overrides theology every time, unless you are sold out to the truth. Dr. Marlon Howe. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. back great relationships grnumeralatelationships.com on the website if you just tuning in before the break we were talking about decay of the family relationships yeah. everything yeah and you had talked about one of the symptoms being what happens when i'm such a lover of self right all of this is coming from the second timothy chapter three verses one through six which is a a massive list of problems in the end times it's hard to imagine that we're not in the end times but at the same time, this is what we're using it for in great relationships is just showing you how bad relationships can get. 
<laughs> I mean, they're bad enough as they are right now, but they can get even worse the way we're talking about it. So we were talking about rebellion in the family. There's a great quote from, a, I think it's a good quote from John MacArthur. He says, disobedience to parents is part of the problem, but with daycare centers, separation of families and so forth, it's difficult for children to comprehend what a parent is and what their role is supposed to be. I think that's really, really interesting there. Additionally, even if you go back into ancient history, parents were always mentioned in the law to be held in high regard. Age was held to be in high regard. And that's the reason why you see in the Ten Commandments, it's talking about honoring your father and your mother. Those are really important things. Self-love or lovers of self-rebellion in the family, the first two things that we wanted to mention today. And then the last two are the lack of normal familial love. You'll see that in verse 3, without natural affection. And that means what we have here is not only is it a lack of familial affection, but it's also without a affection used in the right direction. I think you can broaden it to that. So we're going to have the other issues of uh, problems with uh, Male on male uh, affection, female on female, where we're having homosexuality is going to show up. But in that the whole thing one. becomes toxic. We create these pseudo families or pseudo relationships mm-hmm. in the wake of truth, what we really have, because we, we call reality toxic and somehow this pseudo reality becomes what? Yeah, we... And it goes back to those eight symptoms that uh, Carl Zimmerman that we talked about at the beginning, his book, uh, The Family and Civilization, where he mentions the eight symptoms of a declining civilization. And man, there's just so many symptoms that are showing up nowadays. It, we're, we're, we've got all eight of those symptoms, and you'll have to go back and listen to the previous program. Can, to mention can I ask you a question? Please. And I don't want to front run the fourth symptom here, but lack of familial love. Right. Rebellion in the family, lack of familial love. Doesn't that all open the door for the next, the attacks against the home? It sure does, because when you are not living in your family correctly, meaning pursuing the best for each other, you're only pursuing the best for yourself, then you won't have a strong family tie to support you. And therefore, it sets up the home to be attacked. And the attack of the home typically happens, as you can see what Paul is telling uh, Timothy in verse 6, for of this sort, talking about these false teachers, are they who creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with various lusts. Now, this is not teaching that all women are silly. That is not what the deal is. Men are led astray also. So the contrast here is silly women implies a contrast to sensible, wise women. Now, when you have a focus that is loving yourself, much less all of the lack of familial love and all these other things, you're not going to be wise about life. Your who said so is yourself. How could you be wise? You don't have the who said so of God's word or something that has a, a, a greater uh, ability to give you wisdom. So when you don't have that mindset of paying attention to God's word, guess what's going to happen in your life? You're going to have sin in your life. You're going to be laden down with sins, and you're going to be 
easily deceived into doing further bad things. That's what's. That's how this is is set up. That of this sort who creep into houses, these false teachers are creeping into houses, so to speak, and talking to people, and specifically women in this particular context, and they're easily deceived because they don't have the truth. When you're focused only on yourself, you're not going to have a bedrock of wisdom to be able to fall back on because all the truth is all about you and all about what you want and all about the, the idea of am I happy or am I not happy. That's, that's where you get led astray very easily. So the attacks are going to be directed primarily against the home. And when you cause the home to fall apart, you end up causing the whole society to start falling apart. So what this means, if you read this verse and start getting upset with women, they're led captive, silly women laden with sins. Here's what I'd ask you to get your mind refocused on. Where are the men here? What's happening with the men? The men are obviously lovers of self also, and they're allowing these women to be unprotected, and they're not paying attention to wisdom in their life, and therefore they're not leading at this point in time. So what's my one thing? Self-love is not a biblical concept from the viewpoint that it's good. Self-love is a bad thing. Self-love is a bad thing, and focus on who is your who said so. Right. Because even a journey of a 1,000 miles starts with a single step. So even if we're way out in left field, the way back is first step, who's your who said so. Thank you, Herman. And before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. So, hon, uh, how many of the family are coming over this time? Looks like we'll have a full house. Again. What are we having? Same as always. Turkey and stressing. Stressing? What causes the stress? Have you not been at the last few family get-togethers? Can't you tell it's always more stressful? The more family you add to the equation, the more stressful it gets. I'm a grown adult, and I feel like I've turned back the clock, and I'm in grade school again when Mom arrives. (laughs) That's funny you should say that. I feel exactly the opposite. Like, I'm the only adult in a room full of kids. There must be a better way. A way where we all seek each other's best and enjoy our family time. By the way, when we have family gatherings, I'm worried that you could actually think you ever act like an adult. Don't be a turkey. Join Herman and Paul for their next show to learn how to take the stressing out of family relationships.